Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Eight-year-old grandson. He may be 11. He'll be 11 soon. Anyhow, he's 10 years old. He was diagnosed when he was born with a very rare genetic disorder, and they told us that we probably wouldn't have him any more than four or five weeks. He's 10 years old. His name is Grayson. He's named for the grace of God. He has had so many obstacles placed in his way as he's growing. And as I tell my second grade class every day, I teach safety to different kiddos every day. I say he's 10 years old and he has to wear a diaper. That's a bummer. But in this particular case, it's a good thing because his mom was changing his diaper and she saw some blood. And so she took him to the doctor. The doctor said, well, actually, I'm sorry, they didn't take him to the doctor. They took him to the ER. And he had a horrible, horrible infection. And they did scans and x-rays, and they saw two huge kidney stones. They were one and a half centimeters. And I don't know how big that is. As far as I'm concerned, it's this, this big. And they were blocking the ureter for each kidney. He, he has kidney problems anyhow. He's had kidney stones implanted in his kidneys so, since he was born. So they put stents in and cleared up the infection so they could go in and do, I don't know what it's called. They were zapping them. They were going to hit them with lasers and bust them up so they could, he could pass them. They scheduled him for that procedure last Thursday. And they took him back, and it seemed like forever. The doctors were in there doing their procedure forever, and then they came out, and they asked my son and my daughter-in-law back to a conference room. And the doctor said, I'm sorry we've been so long. We went in three different times into his kidney, both kidneys. And we have a conundrum. Okay, that means we don't know what's going on. We can't explain it. And that's what the doctor said. I cannot tell you why. I can tell you, cannot tell you how. But we could not find those those kidney stones could not find them and my son looked at him and said well i can explain why we prayed days ago that god would dissolve those kidney stones and make them go away <laughs> and the doctor looked at him and said the next time we're going to do a procedure if you pray for him and ask him to clear it out. Let us know before we do the procedure. God. Come on, why don't you just give God praise for that right now. Father, we thank you that you're a healer. We thank you that you're a healer. Wow, you're so good. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, lift your hands. Just close your eyes and lift your hands. We just say thank you today for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Ah, your faithfulness, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you today. We bless you today. We bless you today. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. All thou hast been, thou forever will be we thank you today for your faithfulness we thank you today for your faithfulness your goodness and your kindness we're here because of all those but God it's your faithfulness It's your faithfulness. We want to exalt the attribute of your faithfulness today. We're so grateful. Came in here on Wednesday night for prayer meeting. And uh, immediately the Lord just began to talk to me about... uh, exalting his faithfulness and um and holy spirit swept in this place so strong i think i'm probably supposed to am i supposed to let kids go today or not okay see i'm not faithful to do what i'm supposed to do but he is 
All the kids, if you want to go to the equipping center, you can do that right now. Begin to just pray and uh, pray into the faithfulness of God with a heart of thanksgiving. And um, Holy Spirit really swept in this place, and it really has just sent me on a journey. Um, last week, we talked uh, out of Romans about the identity of God being the inspiration and fountain of hope and that uncontainable peace and joy are available as you trust him. And so it's really taken me on this journey, and I've just been meditating and thinking about that. And um, so that's really what we're going to do today. I, I, I told Rebecca, I've, I kind of feel like I'm going to be teaching a theology class today, so you, you're going to have to bear with me just a little bit so I can get all of that out of me. But but then we're, we're going somewhere. Is that Okay. Today is a really good day if you are a note taker. Today's a really good day to do that. Um, and, and so I really just want to slow down. And, and my hope is, my hope is that I can communicate it to you like I feel it on the inside of me. That's my hope. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we're we're going to go to Lamentations chapter 3. And... Um, I'm trying to figure out if in 20 years I've ever actually preached out of Lamentations. I'm I'm not sure. You know, Lamentations is another book connected to the book of Jeremiah. He was the weeping prophet, and so he's lamenting over Israel. But within the revelation of uh, what he's saying to us, um, I feel like there's some stuff that we can we can really talk about. I'll just tell you from the beginning, my goal today is for you to see God in faithfulness like you've never seen him before and to go deeper in that. Uh, I have been on a journey now for uh, close to 15 years, I think, about finding out who God really is, not, not what was just taught to me by people who had filtered glasses on and only saw him one way right not that that was bad but that's that's all that's the only way they could see him have you ever been around those kind of people that they can only see through the filter of their experience in their life and and so i began to understand that that god was way 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 more vast than than what i had learned um in sunday school and i'm thankful for that foundation and you know on through life and even through uh higher learning and and stuff like that it's amazing how people view all circumstances through their eyes, right? Have you ever, you, you ever talked to somebody, well, I've had a cough. Oh, yeah, well, it's probably this, 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 and this, and, you know, and they've got you in the hospital and three prescriptions written, and you may have to have surgery to remove your uh, kneecap because you had a cough. See what I'm saying? Doesn't make any sense, does it? But it happens. You've, have you met those people? I have met those people. I've had those people in my life. The most obscure thing, they'll see it. They'll see the most obscure thing in the world and talk about, hey, man, this is going around. No, it's not. This is what, no, it's not. It's not going around. Just because you saw one case of that or you experienced that doesn't mean it's going around, right? Uh, but you've met those people, right? Well, the people that, that oftentimes teach us about God have the same perspective. It's, it's the only way that they have known him. It's the only way that they have, have experienced him, which is why when, uh, when 
God speaks to Moses through the burning bush and says, I am that I am. He's telling him, I'm whatever you need me to be. This is all you've known. This is all that you've seen of me. And you're probably comparing me to Pharaoh. And you're probably comparing me to, to what you know. But that's not who I am. I'm, I'm whatever you need me to be. And it's, it's the same thing with David. Don't compare me to your jacked up dad, Jesse, who didn't even want you to come in out of the field, right? That's not who I am. Get, get something that is deep on the inside of me, and you and I can have a heart connection like nobody's ever had, right? And, and so I really want you today to begin to look at God different. I'm convinced. A.W. Tozer, it's no secret, one of my favorite authors in the world, but A.W. Tozer, and, and I've said this probably a thousand times, you'll probably get tired of hearing it, that the most important thing that a Christian can do is to think rightly about God. It's to think rightly about who he is, to have a correct perception of who he is. And so I, I, I hope today that, that we can go through some of this. So, so Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, they don't have Lamentations in the Passion Translation yet, so we're going back to the uh, NKJV today for that. We'll be in the Passion Translation later, though. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. I really don't need to read anything else. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. There are so many days where I know that I should have been consumed. But his mercy, his mercy didn't allow that. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Can somebody just say thank you, Jesus, that his mercy, his compassions are new every morning, and I need them every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. Watch this. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. The writer is trying to get us across, get across something to us that it, there's a, a, a deeper um, thing than, than just knowing what we're talking about. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness because of that. See, when you, when you, when you study the Bible, you have, to, you have to always connect what was before, what's after, so that you get good context, right? So because of your mercy and the fact that your compassions fail not. And because you're faithful, I know you're my portion, and I know that I have hope in you. My soul says that. What is that soul? It's yourself, your life, the creature, the person, the appetite, the mind, the living being, the desire, the emotion, the passion, that which breathes, a breathing substance. Substance. It's a living being, um, a living being with life in the blood. The man himself, person, individual, seat of the appetites, the seat of emotions, the, the depth of who I am says that I can hope in you because you're faithful. Because of your faithfulness, my whole being, everything that I am, says I can hope in you. This is a depth of connection with the character and attribute of the faithfulness of God. This, this right here is where deep begins to cry out to deep. And if you want to begin to experience the fullness of the relationship that's available with God, it has to go beyond 
surface level, and it has to go beyond just what you think. This is really important because it forces me to look beyond the capacity of my mind to comprehend not only the involvement of God in my life, but also the response of my complete being to the nature of God that is being lived out in my life. Let me read that again. Understanding the depth of this connection, understanding that he, he is faithful, understanding that, that my whole being can hope in him is important because it forces me to look beyond the capacity of my mind to comprehend not only the involvement of God in my life, but also the response of my complete being to the nature of God that is being lived out in my life. I don't have time to go really deep into this, but Peter tells us in chapter 1 that we have the ability to be partakers of the divine nature of God. And so when he begins to speak and it strikes my heart and not my head, it gives me insight into the nature of who he is living through me. You understand that we're all created beings that were created in his image, right? And so if we're created in his image and we have the ability to become partakers of the divine nature, we have to then ask ourselves, what does that look like living in my life every day? Are you with me? Encounters that you have with God, listen to this, this is so important. Encounters that you have with God that only strike us in the mind are ones that connect with the aspect of who God is solely based on what we think about him, regardless of whether or not it's true. Did you get that? Do I need to read that again? Encounters that only strike us in the mind are ones that connect with the aspect of who God is solely based on what we think about him, regardless of whether or not that is true. You understand that you can have thoughts that are incorrect about God. You can have thoughts that are incorrect about God. It's one of the greatest mishaps of all time is for us to think about him incorrectly. We don't have to rehash that. But what I want you to understand is that when you have an encounter with God, you encounter the presence of God, and it only is a head strike, it only strikes your head, then it causes you to begin to think about who he is solely based on the ability of you to rationalize, which is a horrendous word to even put into connection with God, because he's not rational. We are rational. He is not. He's supernatural. We are natural. He's supernatural, right? So, so when we have a head strike, it causes us to go to a place to where our perception is solely based on our ability to think it out and figure out what he just did. I told y'all it was going to be like theology class today. Ah, I said this last week. Your belief in who God is in you, for you, and through you is the foundation of your approach to him in devotion. But it's also the foundation of your approach in everyday life. I really, I, I, I want to hammer this home. The way you think about him is the way you approach life. It's the way you approach worship. It's the way you approach your family. It's the way you approach relationships. It's a way, the way that you approach everything that you can imagine is 
the way that you view God. If you view God that he's always out to get you, you're going to live in fear. If you view God that he is some distant father that only gets weekend visiting rights, you're never going to have a depth of devotion that causes you to pursue him over and over again. If you view God as someone who's somewhat involved but really doesn't care about everything that's going on, that's the way that you will approach him. And so it's so, so important that you really find out, first of all, what do I think about God? Is there a lie that I'm believing about God? And how do I make this adjustment so that I can go deeper in relationship with him? Listen, we, uh, never mind. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. This is Passion Translation. This is so good. We read a portion of this last week. It's, It's the verse of Scripture that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path, right? We, we know that we can. So listen to what it says. We're, we're going to go a little deeper. We're going to go down to verse 10, though. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, starting at verse 5. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. I'm still convinced, I said this last week, that is the gospel for us right there. That is the good news. Trust in the Lord and don't rely on your own opinions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to sow seed on that one right there. (laughs) Trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. (coughs) Here we go. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment you know it all. See, all y'all laughing, you thought for a moment that you knew it all right there. (laughs) Now we have Bible on it. Don't think for a moment you know it all. Watch this. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm sick. This hurts. I'm this, that, all this is going on. Here we, here we, I'm about to read, I'm, I got a verse for you too. But let's read this one first again. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find healing refreshment for your body and your spirit long for. And this is all connected to the way that you view him because if you don't view him with the ability to give you refreshment for your body and for your spirit, for your mind, for your complete self, you will not approach him with undivided devotion like we just talked about. Listen, the only reason, the only reason, and you can make up 675,000, but the only reason you do not approach God in consistent devotion is because you don't know who he is for real. The only reason I don't do it consistently when I have my is because I don't know who he is for real in that moment and who he's wanting to be because you cannot see the real living God in your life and reject him unless you have a distorted view of truth. And that is called deception. That is called deception. And the, the, the horrible thing about deception is that when you are in deception, you think what you're believing is truth. You think what you're believing is true. That's why I tell people all the time, 
you know, the, well, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel like engaging. I don't feel like worshiping. You don't know who he is. You do not have a correct understanding of who the man Jesus is and who Jehovah is in your life. Because if you did, it's impossible not to respond to his presence. It's impossible. Verse 9, glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. I said this, I, I can't remember where I said it. Maybe it was in base camp. It's illegal for you to complain about your financial situation if you're not tied to God's system. It is illegal in the spirit for you to complain about your financial situation if you are not tied to his system. Look at this. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Now look what happens here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 starts out, trust in the Lord completely. It ends in verse 10 here saying, if you do everything that we just talked about in the last five verses, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. How many hundreds and hundreds of years was that written before Paul wrote to the Romans and said, now may God the inspiration and fountain of hope, right, give you uncontainable joy and peace as you trust him. As you trust him, if there were not something that they were trying to communicate to us in this book, that your peace, your joy, your ability to function in life is connected to the level of trust that you have in him. There comes a point where you have to stop being led by your head and allow your heart to be struck to a degree that it takes you from what you know as reality to a place where your heart is allowed to believe that the impossible is possible. Come on, I want you to get this. There comes a point when you have to stop being led by your head and allow your heart to be struck to a degree that it takes you from what you know as reality, what you see, what you can touch, what you can feel, what you know as reality, to a place where your heart is allowed to believe that the impossible is possible. So we've been, te we've been teaching the last little bit about the, these pillars of kingdom culture. One is that God is good all the time. No matter the circumstance, his goodness never fails. And it, it, his goodness doesn't change based on my ability to look at a circumstance and say, hey, this may be not good. He's still good regardless, right? The second thing that I want us to do, and, and we're, not, we're, we're not there yet, but this is the second pillar, is that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. One, one, one of the, the, the horrible tragedies that's happened in the church is we stopped believing that God is a God of the impossible. We stopped believing that he's a God of miracles, and what happened is we produced a powerless generation that is moved by entertainment more than they are the presence of God. I can't get no help in here today. Here's what I want to tell you. The heart is bigger than the head. The heart is bigger than the head. What did he say? Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. The heart is bigger than the head. Small-minded people put the mind first. Small-minded people 
put the mind first. Because we think those who put the mind first, those who, who rely solely on intellect, think that we have it all figured out, and if it doesn't fit within the parameters of which we figured out, then it must not be possible. That's where the heart strike comes in. Do you know him in your head, or do you know him in your heart? How can you say that? How do you know that you're saved and on your way to heaven? How do you know that? Do you know it because you've been taught and you have a, a head strike? Or do you know it because you have complete peace on the inner man, a heart strike? What does the Bible say about that? Do you know? Do you know what the Bible says about that? Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth and what? Believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. I do not get saved because I have a mental assent to believing that there was this man, Jesus, and I'm okay to adopt that theology and that theoretical pattern so that now I can say, hey, you know, I really think this took place, and so I'm, I'm going to subscribe to that. I've met people who have done that. I've met people who have done that, and they're blown around by every wind of doctrine. And everything that comes that sounds better than that, that's what they adhere to. And everything that they do that sounds like, oh, well, maybe this is, is it, because it's a mental ascent. But what God is trying to do is to get us to understand that when you really find out who he is, it doesn't just affect here, it affects here. My wife says all the time, there's an 18-inch journey that has to take place, that what I know goes so deep in my heart that I cannot waver what I believe in him and about him because it's not something I just think about, it's something that I know in my inner man. When there is a heart strike that takes place, I'm listen, Jesus' name. I'm, I'm getting ready to say some stuff. I, I really am. I'm getting ready to say some stuff that's going to challenge you because it challenged me when I wrote it. So I know that it's challenging. So I'm not going to say challenge one more time. When there is a heart strike that takes place, it will produce a faith in the impossible even when it does not happen the way you planned it. When there is a heart strike, it will produce a faith in the impossible even when what you're asking for doesn't happen the way that you planned it. How many of you ever have dealt with disappointment because it didn't happen the way that you planned it? Right? And in an old paradigm, when we thought that it was based on our performance and we thought it was based on what we could do, we then turned that disappointment to God because he must not be good in this circumstance or he just must want me to suffer and he want me to do all this stuff. Right? That's what religion taught us. You got to do better. You got to fix it. He's out to get you. He's waiting for you to step out of line so he can hit you on the hand with a ruler. That's not who God is. That's, that's, a, that's a head strike to think that I can do something to make him any bigger in my life or that I can do something to, to, to make him more faithful. Or See, I haven't even gotten into this yet, but I want you to understand that we, live, we have lived most of our Christian life with head strikes when it was never meant to just strike us in the head. It was meant to strike us in the heart. 
That's why Jesus would look at the Pharisees and his disciples, not just the Pharisees, but and his disciples. They would look at them, and they would ask him, when are you freeing us from the oppression of Rome? I didn't come to do that. I came to do something on the inside of you that will cause you to look at the oppression of Rome differently than you do right now. Okay, I'm going to walk with you for three years. I'm going to see you walk on water. I'm going to see you multiply bread. I'm going to see you heal people, raise people from the dead. I'm going to watch you do all of these miracles. I'm going to see you die. And I'm going to see you raised from the dead just like you told me you would in resurrection. And the first thing I'm going to ask you is now the time that you're going to free us from the oppression of Rome. Acts chapter 1. That's what they said. Now, are you going to restore your kingdom, Israel? No, it's not your time to know the seasons, right? It's not your time to know that, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus, here we go. When it's really a heart strike, it will be the moments of the unexplainable that produce trust in you. If there were no moments of unexplainable activity in our lives, we would have no reason to trust. If we did not have unexplainable moments in our life, we would have no reason to trust. We would just believe that everything happens, and when I do this, it happens, and if I do this specific behavior, it happens, and it produces what I want. How many of you have ever encountered Something where you did the right formula that you were taught and you did the right thing that you thought was supposed to be the formula that was going to produce the result that you were looking for and it didn't happen that way. Anybody? Let me see your hand. Seriously. Right? Does that unexplainable event cause you to trust or does it cause you to doubt who he is? And if it causes you to trust, it's because you've had a heart strike with Holy Spirit. If it causes you to doubt, it's because you had a head strike with everything that you've gone through. Acts chapter 2 was the release of the Holy Spirit for the indwelling that gives us power to endure when the answer doesn't show up right away. Do you understand that? You understand what I just taught you? Are y'all with me? I, I know this. We're not shouting and jumping and all that stuff, but I hope you're listening to me. You understand what I just taught you about Acts chapter 1, right? Are you setting us free? No, that's not what we're talking about. It's not your, your time to know the seasons. What I need you to do is to wait until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That Holy Spirit, that release of that power, what Jesus is saying, that gives you the ability to endure when the answer does not show up right away. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to produce trust in the midst of what seems like failure. How? The Holy Spirit comes to change our heart and not just our head. This is, this, this is good. It's the indwelling Holy Spirit. Watch this. The, the work of the Holy Spirit is the indwelling Holy Spirit that testifies of the character and attributes of God. We're told that in John, that the function of the Holy Spirit is to tell us what God, what Jesus are doing, and to testify of them, to be a witness for them. 
David tried to, tried to go into that witness thing. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you all some of what we were talking about. You're going to understand why it was heavy on his heart and it's on my heart. But I want you to catch this. The Holy Spirit is testifying of who God is. It's testifying of who Jesus is, telling me about the attributes and the nature of him. Do you know that the Holy Spirit's favorite message is to preach about Jesus? Holy Spirit comes to talk to you about Jesus. He never gives you a word of knowledge so that you can be put on display. It's always to testify to Jesus. He never allows gifts to function through you so that you can be put on display. It's always to testify of Jesus. And that's how you can discern as to whether or not is the Spirit really moving. Is it testifying of Jesus? Right? That's... that. All of 1 Corinthians, when, when Paul's talking to the Corinthian church about how you do church and, and what you do in public and all that stuff, he leads them through this path when he releases the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he talks about all of that. He said, it's to edify the body and to testify of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit tells you who Jesus is in the situation. Holy Spirit will testify of the nature of God to the point, I want you to listen to this because this is, this is, I say this with fear and trembling. Holy Spirit will testify of the nature of God to the point that I cannot think incorrectly about him. If you will allow encounter with Holy Spirit to go deep in your heart, it will testify of the nature of God to the point that you cannot think incorrectly about him. I can just tell you how it works for me. I'm a thinker. All the time. Seriously. As a matter of fact, I really don't even talk about ideas or anything like that until I have thought them through over and over and over again. And there are moments where my thoughts are attacked in certain situations when I look at it just like you do and I say, man, God must have not wanted that to happen or I must have done this and I didn't do this and condemnation comes in. But because I have set my heart to know him and encounter him, immediately when that thought comes, the truth of Holy Spirit is released, and I realize that is an incorrect thought, and I cannot dwell on that thought because that's not who he is. Let me show you this in a practical level. There are situations that arise in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, and there are things that your spouse will do or that you will do that will make them question why are they doing that. Are they doing that just to try to hurt me? You ever had that thought? Let's just be real. Have you ever? Yeah, I, yeah, I ain't going to raise your hand. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Are they doing that just to try to get back at me for something that I've done or something that they have done? Why are they doing that? But when there is a level of love and trust because of devotion together, immediately you realize I cannot think that way because I know what truth is. And my heart has the ability, when it goes deep, to veto what my mind would want to think. So when I have an encounter with Holy Spirit that is in the depth of the heart, I cannot think incorrectly about God. He will not allow it. Because he testifies of the nature and attributes of who God is. I can reject that and go down my own path. 
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on that one. I'd be the first one. Right? I can reject it. But when I really am living my life with encounter of Holy Spirit, I can't think incorrectly about him. Verse 7, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion. Wisdom comes, what I need to know about him comes when I adore him with undivided devotion. Okay. Everybody okay? Now I really want to talk to you about what I want to talk about. Real fast. No, not real fast. Doing good on time. The attributes of God. The attributes of God. There are two categories in theology pertaining to the attributes of God. Number one, the essential or non-moral attributes of God. Number two, the moral attributes of God. Let me explain those just a little bit. The essential attributes are those qualities that belong to God apart from any relation to his creation. I'm not going to go real deep down that road. Just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, though, uh, the fact that God is omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, he's immutable. Those are things that he is with no relation to us. We have no ability to be that. You know what it means, immutable. It's, it's that he does not have the capacity to change. That's, that's what immutable means. So those are qualities that God has that are not in relationship to his creation. Are you with me? This is necessary. You, you need this. I, I, I know you're like, why do I need this? You need this for where we're going. His moral attributes are the qualities that are communicable to his creation, you and I, men and women, okay? The moral attributes are this. Are you ready? Holiness, love, righteousness, and faithfulness, okay? Holiness, love, righteousness, faithfulness. The defining mark of these, even though we can relate to these in God, are that is this. He is perfect in every way concerning these. So what does that mean? I can relate to holiness, right? He said, be holy, for I am holy, right? What I cannot do is be perfect in holiness, and that's what he is. He's perfect in holiness. My righteousness is as filthy rags, right? He died so that I, through him, might become the righteousness of God. The difference is my righteousness is filthy rags. His is perfect righteousness. Are you with me? God is love. It's his character. It's his nature. He's perfect in love. I have the ability to love. I do not have the ability to be perfect in love, right? He is faithful in every way. I have the ability to be faithful, a person of my word, do what I'm supposed to be. I do not have the ability to be perfect in faithfulness, okay? That's important for you to understand. So God has no ability to lack in holiness, love, righteousness, and faithfulness. I think we can grasp this in regard to holiness, love, and righteousness. I really do. I feel like that, that on, on a scale, if we're talking about it, you could absolutely say, yes, he's holy, and he's perfect in holiness. Yes, he's righteous. He's perfect in righteousness. Yes, he, God is love. He's perfect in love. There, there may be a little question there sometimes because maybe we've had a jacked-up life and we look at God through that, that filter but, but ultimately, we know that he's love. Even when people question erroneously, if God is so love, why is this happening? They fail to remember we live in a fallen world, right? That's another story. 
But where I think we question is this, faithfulness. Is he really faithful because did he do it the way that I wanted him to do it? Is he really perfect in faithfulness? Or do I know he's faithful but don't know that he's faithful in my heart? And so what I want to do in the next little bit is just give you a new perspective into the faithfulness of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I promise I'm almost done. I did all of that setup to get to this, this point right here so you can see this. Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Uh, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. He will keep you steady and strong to the very end, making your character mature so that you will be found innocent on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before I even get into verse 9, which is where I want to hang my hat, I just want you to let that sink in. We spend our lives trying to run on the treadmill to make sure that we do it all right, and it's him that will keep you and present you as faultless. That's the language you may know in the King James. He will present you as faultless. What is he saying? He's saying when you come to him, and I, I can't do this justice today to, to, to break this down, but when you really come to him, he is the one who will sustain you and present you to God faultless. It's your partnership with him, not your ability to do it right. I love the Bible. Verse number nine, here we go. God is forever faithful. Can you just say that? Can you just say, God is forever faithful? Say it again. God is forever faithful and can be trusted. God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this in you. Watch this. You cannot have faith that he can save you from your jacked up past and all of the junk that you were involved in. You cannot have faith that he can do that and present you to him, to God, faultless and not have faith that he can affect your everyday life. If you do... It's a head strike. I believe in the formula. I believe in the pattern. I believe that if I ask and I do this and I, I try to be okay and I live the top ten, and I, are you kidding me? That, that, that's so far out of what he is wanting for you in relationship. If, could you imagine if my kids, if I had ten rules and they skirted the line to, to – to follow these 10 rules, but they did everything else in the world and had wrong thoughts and did other things that are not listed in the top 10. Can you imagine them, them living that way? But that's what we did, right? We elevated it. Why? Because it gave it, it was the law. And what did the law do? It came to only let us know that there was an issue. It had no ability to relieve us from the issue. <clears throat> God is forever faithful and can be trusted. God is forever faithful and can be trusted to do this in you. For he has invited you to co-share the life of his son Jesus, the anointed one, our king. He's invited you to co-share the life of Jesus. Okay, here we go. Faithful. Here's what it means. You ready? Seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Faithful. One who is trustworthy can be relied on. God is forever trustworthy and can be relied on. 
That's what that says. The character and nature of God is to be perfect in the ability to be trusted. That is his character and his nature, to be perfect in the ability to be trusted. Your ability to live from this place allows you to have joy and peace without limits that affect your body and your mind. Verse 8, what we read in Proverbs chapter 3, then you will find healing refreshment your body and your spirit long for. Faithful. God is forever faithful and can be trusted. He can be relied on. Jesus' name. Last scripture. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. This right here has me wrecked. I, I am undone. I am undone. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to look at the word faithful witness. And then I want you to look at everything else that happens as a result of him being a faithful witness. I want you to see it. Because he's a faithful witness, he loved us, washed us from our sins with his own blood, made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Faithful. What does it mean? I just told you. One who can be found trustworthy, and one who can be relied on. What does witness mean? What does witness mean? It comes from the Greek word, martus, which is where we get the word martyr. It's one who bears witness by his death and denotes one who can or does have the ability to tell what he has seen or heard. So that verse could literally be translated. See, we throw words around like it's nothing. Oh, I was a witness. I was a witness. Can I get a witness? It's a witness. We have no idea what that means. We have no idea what it means. That could literally be translated. Jesus Christ, the one who is trustworthy, and can be relied on so much so that he proved it by dying as a martyr to present us free from our sins, washed in his own blood, to make us kings and priests to his Father God. He's the faithful witness. He's the faithful one who was willing to die as a martyr so that you and I could be presented as a king and a priest to God. He was willing to be a trustworthy martyr, one who would lay his life down. It gives a whole new meaning, and I'm not going into this today, but it gives a whole new meaning to let something be established between one or two witnesses. What do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life that is willing to live out this word, to be a witness Very few people, I would say. Very few people. But there is one. The man Christ Jesus is so trustworthy. 
He's so trustworthy that he was willing to lay his life on the line, not just so you could get to heaven. I've told you that if that were the case, he could have kept you there. It's not just so you could get to heaven. He was willing to become a martyr, a witness to the goodness of God in your life, a witness to the goodness of God in generations to come. He was willing to become a martyr so that you could live in the fullness of who God is. That's why it's a big deal to get stuck here in your mind thinking about who he is when he came to give everything that he had so that it could affect you in your heart. To give you a heart strike. Faithful martyr. He's a faithful martyr. I can't live my life as if it were no big deal. What he did, I can't approach him in worship as if it were no big deal when I read scriptures like that, that he was a trustworthy, one who could be relied on, martyr for me. I can't live in cynicism because that's what's real. And we've been fed a bill of goods that what you're seeing in the culture and what's happening around you, that that's real. That's way more real than anything that you're seeing. Faithful witness. This is the perfection of faithfulness. This is the perfection of faithfulness. And it can only be correctly appropriated through your heart. It can only be appropriately seen through the lens of your heart. Do I think you're going to leave here today and completely say God's faithful in every way? Maybe not. But I pray that next time you have doubt about it, that you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, and you find out that he was the faithful martyr. He was the one who, who witnessed. We could take that so much further and say that in the legal sense of a witness, he's the one that was faithful, that looked into my life and saw what it would become and what I would do and what decisions I would make and still became a witness and martyr for me. He has legal evidence to present that yes, I fell short and I messed up. But I'm going to go in to future and to past and become a faithful, trustworthy martyr so that I can present them as kings and priests to God. I challenge you this week and for the rest of your life to exalt the faithfulness of who God is. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us at 1725 Research Drive in Louisville, Kentucky or online at awakeningky.com.
www.thepowerbrokers.com.